my friends, this is Andy and Hedy coming live from Yorba Linda, California on a Thursday, January 5th, 5th evening. Wow, that was hard to say for some reason. Almost had a stroke. Hey, you're, you're looking at the champion of the world of darts here at the uh, Falco residence. Thank you very much. The champions of the, of the little people. Yeah, the cha champion of the world, Schnooks. Oh, the world of Falco. I won two games out of three against my 16-year-old son. <laughs> It was amazing. Well, me and my daughter baked world-class macros. Did. We were like that. a regular old American family. <laughs> you had an apron on, you're cooking. Oh, the, just a regular Aussie. Right. Uh, the girls were in the kitchen cooking barefoot. <laughs> and uh, the boys were playing a game of darts, scratching our bellies and our... After eating El Polo Loco. El po <laughs> wow. And then the other daughter came walking down, looked at y'all and went back up. <laughs> Perfect. It was just like uh, Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, oh, Lord. That was awesome. If my friends could see me now. <laughs> please join us on resurrectministry.com. Check out the website. We'd love to have you see it. Give us your opinion. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Check out the books, our, uh, our content. We have all of our own shows on there. Andy, are you doing Fearless Man podcast still? I am. You are. Great. You'll find that there too. <laughs> and you can drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And if you care to donate, there's a donate now kind of pop-up thing that comes up. Yeah, I just, uh, it's not really that I meant to take a break during the two weeks of the holiday, you know, the Christmas, New Year's holiday. Yes. But we, um, it's like we didn't have a choice. Oh. There's not enough light in the day yeah. to get things done. But we will, uh, yeah, it's just been a couple weeks since I've done my last one. So we will be hitting it. Hey there. Oops, actually, let me get rid of this because it's easier to see the comments. Carrie News. Hi, Carrie. Waving, I guess, saying hi. Yes, it's a wave. And what were you cooking? Macaron cookies. Macaron? Yes, they're not macaroons. Hmm. They're macaron or macaron. Macaron? Macaron. <laughs> Is that, isn't that the, the French uh, uh, prime minister? Yes. <laughs> He's named after the cookie. Is he really? Yes. Oh, gosh. Gluten-free. And uh, Cindy's on. Hello, Hi, Cindy Hauser. Nice to see you. Did you start your heaven book? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll talk about what happened at church yesterday. Yes. Uh, after we do our reading from Charles Spurgeon, which is called Morning by Morning. And it, again, we're here for the January 5th uh, chapter. And uh, Genesis 1-4 is the reference that says, God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Mm, good. Charles says, light is good because it sprang from the decree of goodness himself. Let there be light. Mm. Yet we who enjoy its benefits should be more grateful for it than we are and should see more of God in it and through it. According to Solomon, physical light is sweet. But the light of the gospel is an infinitely more precious, for, it's re for it reveals eternal things and ministers to our immortal nature. When the Holy Spirit gives us the spiritual light and opens our eyes to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, suddenly we see the stain of sin and our own helpless position. <laughs> we see the most holy God as he reveals himself, the plan of mercy he has set forth and the world to come as his word describes it. Spiritual light shines with the rays of every color of a prism, but whether they are knowledge, joy, holiness, or life, they are all divinely good. 
Yet how much more glorious must be the light shining from his throne and the heavenly place where he reveals himself. O Lord, since your light is so good, give us more and more of yourself, the true light. Of course, as soon as something good came into the world, a division became necessary. Light and darkness can have no fellowship. Therefore, since God divided them, let's not confuse them. Children of light must not have fellowship with the deeds, doctrines, or deceits of darkness. They must be sober, honest, and bold in doing the Lord's work, leaving the works of darkness to those who will dwell in the darkness for eternity. Our churches should exercise the discipline of dividing light from darkness, and we as believers, distinctly separated from the world, should do the same. Our judgment, our actions, our relationships, what we hear, what we teach, in all of these, we must discern between what is precious and what is vile. We must maintain the dramatic distinction that the Lord made on the world's very first day. O Lord Jesus, be our light through this entire day, for your light is the light of men. That's, I got a lot more out of it this time. What did you get? Well, Let's hear it. It's, I never thought of it this way when you read the scripture, when God's talking about the creation of the universe, he says, God saw that light was good and he separated the light from darkness. Understanding that to be a commandment to us forever, we should constantly be separating light from darkness. And I think that's what Spurgeon's going on to say that like we can't, and he says it so sweetly because he says, um, we must not, since God divided them, let's not confuse them. In other words, you we have to separate what we do, the deeds of lightness from the deeds of darkness. And the listen to the words he uses, the descriptors, uh, the adverbs, sober, honest, and bold in what we do in the Lord's work. So if we're operating in the light, there must be a certain sober-mindedness, clarity, and honesty that we're not calling dark light, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like we see so many pastors doing this day, calling evil good and good evil, right? You know, switching it because they have, they're not being honest about what they know scripture to say, and they're twisting it. And then they don't want to be bold mm -hmm. about that. And so this, we must maintain the dramatic distinction that the Lord made on the very first day. That's a, that's a tall order. Yeah, it is. And an important one. I like what, um, uh, well, what's his name? Jim says, uh, as we go, I'm going to go ahead and read that if that's okay, okay with you. Uh, it says, light and darkness are distinct opposites, and each displays its own unique properties. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The NIV text note, however, gives this alternate translation of the Greek the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome. Darkness cannot overcome light. Consider this simple example. You open the door of your unlit closet while standing in your well-lit bedroom. What happens? Does the darkness spill over into the bedroom? No. Of course not. The light overcomes the darkness, and you can now see into the once dark closet. Yet the light in the bedroom has not been diminished. Spiritual light has the same unique quality of physical light. It will always overcome darkness. 
Lord, may your light shine through me into a dark and dying world. It, it really, I've never actually thought, thought of, of it that way. Right. That the light, like when you open the closet or whatever, it was somewhere dark, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't like, make the lit room any darker. No. That's, I, I never thought that. <laughs> no. And that's how we can be when we walk into a room, if we walk in there with shift. God's light. It should shift the atmosphere. And the um, yes, it should fill the room with light and yes. not dimming the light that, that we brought in yes. through God, not us. Right. I want to make sure that's very clear. Although there used to be a time that I thought the light was for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really cool. It is. I really liked what, I, what he had to say there about that. That really kind of helped out with the, with the understanding. Let's see here. The uh, closet. Carrie likes the closet example, too. Yeah, it's Makes awesome. it very clear, doesn't it? Yeah, Cindy says. I had someone come and tell me it was a sun. It was a sunset. The dark was coming and the light was leaving. He accepted Jesus and I told him the sun was rising and the darkness had to flee. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's great. That's very cool. And the other thing of the... Uh, and I, I know you, I think you mentioned it, but it's just the the light in this room because it's because it flows into like if we are filled with water, if we open the door, the water would go in there and the water would decrease. Right. The light that doesn't that doesn't it, no the light the light goes into that room, but the light remains the same. It's amazing. It's just, it just God God's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and that kind of teaches us something about sharing our light with others that it, our light will not diminish by spreading it um to others that just keeps this. yeah yeah stays at the same so cool it is kind of reminds me a little bit of the discussion of heaven too I yes think. i was just gonna say that yeah too. well let's hear it what were we gonna say well for me just learning more about heaven um creates a light in my faith mm. because it seems like eternity is some far off thing the more I make it tangible and real to my everyday existence, it's almost like getting a flashlight and and beaming it down the hallway mm. so that it's not this great mystery anymore. And it, it brings even more comfort. I mean, I never really had a phobia of dying, but it brings this anticipation of, oh, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to experience this. And that's something that, God's light in, in shining into something that is a mystery and unknown makes it that much more um, attractive mm -hmm. too, because as the light spreads over and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize all this was there. You know, it's interesting though, in this world, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but we do need light and dark. We don't need dark, but it exists. We don't need dark to sleep. I mean, I remember I worked. Oh, you I mean worked, like biologically? Yes. Oh, yes. Like we, I mean, we do. You? I, I know. Now that I think about it, because what if what if we live like in the North Pole, where there was hardly any darkness? They sleep. Yeah, but there's like fourteen. I don't know how long. Like because I've yeah, never lived there. No. Like fourteen days of light. In Nova Scotia or, or whatever. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think doesn't but that affect them? Live. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect them negatively? I think the darkness does. I mean, you hear people then like, and I'm sorry if there's anybody watching from Washington State, but I understand that Washington State, because it's often cloudy, um, there's there's tends to be more suicides, I believe, or depression. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Well, that's because people need the light, for sure. Yeah. I thought you said, yeah. do we need darkness? Yes, but I mean, one or the other. But I think if you have too much darkness is where I was going to go, then you surely get depressed and, yes. and uh, you know, just don't, don't um, 
thrive is the word I was looking for. There, there you, you can't go. thrive without light. For sure. But I don't know if the contrary is true, though. Yeah, so I'm wondering. I wonder if we constantly lived in light, if there'd be a problem. It seems that there would be. Because I remember working graveyards, I'd work from, you know, six o'clock in the evening till six o'clock in the morning, and I would have to draw the, the window shades and, and, try, to, and try to get, I know, I didn't, I didn't, oh, no. okay. but I never really, I was never good at graveyard sleeping. Oh, I would okay. Wake up, but, but, but that's also, you, you didn't have, you weren't a faith then too. Mm -hmm. So that could have also made a difference because they say when the Lord's, when we have the new heaven and the new, new earth, if I'm not mistaken, there is no darkness because once Christ is present, even in the millennial kingdom, there will not be darkness because of his light. Mm. Wow. Right. Sydney so says uh, the name for that is a seasonal effect disorder. Seasonal effect. So does disorder. it work both ways, uh, Cindy? Yeah. Seasonal yeah, effect disorder, or is it only uh, excessive darkness? Yeah, just wondering. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems. But when we go to heaven, there's a lot of things we don't need. Although we will, I, I learned last night from Pastor Jack Hibbs, is that we will be eating. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> you won't have to worry about flour and. And, no, and wheat. None of it. <laughs> Yay. That'd be so awesome. Apparently, Cindy was uh, watching. Carrie was. Oh, Carrie, sorry. Where's Carrie? There it is. Uh, last night. Um, that's what I was going to bring up earlier. Uh, since we're on the topic of heaven, that at uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, Wednesday night, Jack, uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs did something a little bit differently. And he asked the audience for I, topics. Has he ever done that? And we were sitting in the front row. And you kind of raised your hand and waved and got all excited. And he boom, he goes, he looked right at you. And you go, heaven, one word. I've never heard at an event. I've been at a lot of events where they go, anybody have any questions? I don't know that anybody said one word and got an hour uh, sermon. I knew my I, pastor didn't need, he didn't need, he didn't need a lot of words. He just said heaven and he went, poof, he went off for a good I got a couple of emails about that. Oh, did you? Yeah, my the friends that were just like, "Wow, you said one word," <laughs> and I was like, "Well, because I—that's what he loves, and you know, and he's in, he's hinted that yeah. he's obsessed with heaven these days. Um, it's just it's just an and what I love that he explained last night that I didn't really um, know or or think about was the first, second, and third heaven that. The first, uh, uh, the first level is us here on earth, mm -hmm. second stratosphere universe and God's in the third heaven. And so, no, sorry, there's no heaven here on earth, but it's the first atmosphere up is the first heaven. Um, that's the way he described yep. it, right? Yep. Uh, and so if you think about our, so from what I'm understanding based on reading about the theology of heaven in, in this book by Randy Acorn, is we know we get resurrected and glorified bodies uh, when we come back with Christ and we rule and reign and when there's a new heaven and the new earth descends. But between that time and our life on earth is this transitory period when, as Paul describes, we sleep. Some people have interpreted sleeping as we go into this unconscious coma state. But the, the way scripture reads, and especially if you're a literalist like evangelicals like ourselves are is that we believe in the literal interpretation of the bible there's certain figurative um expressions there but for the most part it's literal and that god is meaning to speak to us with words for a reason he's using specific words for a reason that there we do have some form of a body and that it is this this intermediate period where we know what happens on earth that they're the saints, the martyrs in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, the martyrs are praying for us 
Um, and they're asking God, when will you avenge what has happened to us? You know, when will you bring justice and avenge our death? And so the God, God says, you have to wait a little while um, until I do that. So there's a sense of time. So they died and they're waiting. And there's a sense of time until the last martyr dies. And then that time is fulfilled. So there's constantly new martyrs going up there and they are able to speak and they have rational thought and they have a sense of time and they know what's happening on earth. So when you think about it, i like, I just blows my mind <laughs> because when you think about this, when you die, you will see your relatives. That's what it seems to imply that mm. you will see your relatives. You will know what's happening uh, depending, I guess, on our rank or level. We don't know, but that there is this continuum of our earthly life to our heavenly transitory life. And of course, you know, when we come back to the new heaven, the other example that the Lord gives is in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Some people say it's all entirely figurative because the rich man goes to hell, Lazarus goes to heaven. And the rich man and Abraham acts as an intermediary speaking to Lazarus. And Lazarus says, please, uh, and the rich man says, please send Lazarus to dip his finger and wet my tongue because it's so hot and I'm dying down here. And he says, no, there's a great chasm between you two. So wow. even in hell, Lazarus can see, uh, the rich oh, man no. can see Lazarus is there and asks Abraham oh, to get sit him down. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Oh my God, like it's just, it's just so mind blowing to know that we're gonna, gonna be in the presence of God, that we're in Jesus Christ's presence. And then, yeah. so they say that the reason- I hope I don't end up like this. Well, they, <laughs> so they say, but why, if we're not supposed to, there's supposed to be no, um, no, of course, no sin, no misery, no tears, I'll wipe every tear from your eye. Mm -hmm. But that is in the new Jerusalem and the new earth in Revelation 21 and 22. So before that time, though we're not expected because we're with Christ to grieve, we still may be upset at the things that are happening on earth because uh -huh. the corruption of the earth has not gone away. It hasn't been incinerated, as Jack says. So everything that's sinful on the earth must be incinerated. The new heaven and the new earth descend before all of that is wiped away. So in that transitory period, we still will experience some of that Thanks. stuff. But no, but it's awesome. Then we have to watch Gavin Newsom destroy California even more. Well, but you won't feel about it probably the same way. I mean, we're just we're gonna be kicking like, back with uh, Jesus yeah. and we'll be like, oh, we that's tried, so bad. We tried to but, tell him. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. It's just that was awesome. You went, you went off on a little. I'm sorry, I just love it. I'm just it's just so awesome. exciting. It's so exciting. So I had a couple of these comments here. What Cindy says about a match. Flame has no shadow. God's light has no darkness. That's, That's pretty cool. Very deep. Yes, we got through that. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's because you took me over the thing. Oh, Imagine how we might be able to hear color or <laughs> hear color or see new colors. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, and she said that the seasonal affect, Cindy says the seasonal affect disorder is only excessive darkness. Oh. See, I've never heard of a disorder for excessive light. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering though. Just seems like it'll keep you awake. You know, it'll keep you awake. You have because you have to have your blinders on. Yeah, but I just blinders. put the blinders on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, what else did you get out of last night's uh, 
He went off on a, a whole. I mean, it was oh the Calvinism. The Calvinism. Oh my that God, was that was another about. great. And the woman who emailed me had it. Mm. I couldn't remember. It was her. Oh, so many loops were closed last night. So <laughs> she emailed me because she said, "Have you heard the criticism that Pastor Jack's a Calvinist?" And I said, "I haven't heard the criticism, and I know he's not a Calvinist." And so. She's like, I, you know, I wonder why that rumor goes around, blah, blah, blah. And he explained it last night. He says, because he listens to traditional Calvinists because they're, a lot of their doctrine is sound, but what corrupted it like is Charles this, Spurgeon. like Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. But he said, what corrupted it is modern day Calvinists say that it basically make salvation very tenuous. Hmm. Like you don't know if you got it. Maybe you got it. You don't know where you're going. And he says, I want no part of that. And also this kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo God that would pick and choose who's who went to heaven. And so why bother evangelizing? So it's been, it's deviated very far from what it originally was hmm. um, as Calvin being John Calvin, John Calvin, I think is the first name was being, was a reformer to just get rid of all of the sacraments and frivolities and stuff that was in Catholicism. Cool. Yeah, it was a good. That was another great discussion. Yeah. That's been coming up lately and I never really even knew anything about Calvin. I thought that was like the name of a cat or something like that. Or Alvin. Maybe it's Alvin. I was thinking Alvin or Garfield. Yeah, Garfield. Uh, Cindy says excessive light is overcome with the blackout curtains, which <laughs> yeah, is uh, exactly. many of my buddies used to get those. I never got them or they put oh, really? uh, tin foil on their windows. Oh, I had blackout curtains. Yeah. Let's get to the scripture. Um, there's only three today. Genesis 1 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And Ecclesiastes 11.7. Hey, wait a minute. What? A light came first. That was the first thing. Uh, well, there was darkness and the, and, the, and the spirit hovered over the nothingness, the mm. void. And then he made light. Because I was thinking about how, how are there plants? Because plants need light. Oh, yeah. Of course, the light so, had to come first. Yeah, the light had the first plants. Uh, truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But don't look directly at the sun. Don't hurt your eyes. <sighs> 2 Corinthians 6, 14. <laughs> Which is interesting analogy to Moses not being able to see God's right. face. Right? And surely if I look into God's face, I would die. And so he looked away and then the mountain crushed. Yeah. That is an awesome point. Oh, thank you. But then Jacob got to wrestle with God and said he survived. So he did get a chance to speak to God hmm. and not die. But yeah, it's a great analogy. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And I think it's important here to, to hmm. stress the words unequally yoked together. Because it's not saying that you can't create, you know, friendships and, you know, with unbelievers, hopefully to witness to them, hopefully to draw them closer to the Lord. Mm. But unequally yoked means you're not tying yourself to those people, uh, whether it's in business or marriage, especially marriage. It's uh, very concerning when I hear of women being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to change him. And, you know, the one out of a million chance you get to change him. But if you don't, you set yourself up for a lot of difficulty. Well, it reminds me of a discussion we had about somebody that we know 
who shared their testimony of marrying out of lust mm. and not out of, you know, but how God wants us to come together as, you know, man or wife. Like, I mean, like I, I was trying to not to say us, but I, there's no other way to say it. I mean, we, we were brought together by church. We were brought together yes. by faith. Um, we never would have been attracted to one another, most likely without that yes. connection of, of God, which just seems so strange because, you know, you're amazing. So counterintuitive. You're, you're amazing. And so are you. It's so counterintuitive to our modern culture yeah. to have that be what binds um, a marriage. But it is so important. Really, really, really important. It seems like they fought against it, you know, for 40 years, you know, about that being the thing. Like, nah, you know, I, I can I can marry anybody and make it work because I'm such a, an amazing person. How'd that work out? It didn't work out at all. <laughs> it didn't work out at all. Uh, but when you, when you leave it to God... He overcomes all kinds of things. Yes. I mean, you're sitting at a kitchen table tonight eating a pollo loco <laughs> and put an apron on and cooking cookies while we play darts. I mean, it really is. Sometimes I don't even recognize myself. <laughs> the transformation has been so profound. <laughs> and I never really liked LA or Beverly Hills or anything. And the other day we're sitting there in a Beverly Hills restaurant, me and Kelly, you know, we're in our, <laughs> our sweats and our you know, holy t-shirts or whatever we were wearing. And sitting in a place where we would not have found ourselves either. Right. And then go to your mom's apartment, which was the size of bigger than our house, <laughs> which is an apartment. Um, you know, just, it's just a strange, it, I mean, but it's, it, but God. It, it really points, yeah, it really points out <clears throat> that. But so back to our friend who, again, he was the, talking about his, he married out of lust and, and it just was, it was a disaster as much as he tried to save it and, and bring God into it. it it's it, it you it, you start off in darkness, and it, it really is hard to bring light to that that kind of darkness. Yes, uh, especially when the other half is a uh, is not uh, playing along. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You don't have uh, Christ as a mediator, right? Wow, how interesting. Yeah, hmm. pretty cool. Oh. Oh, sounds like Islam <laughs> leaked into Calvinism. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's exactly what Jack said, right? He's like, it sounds like Allah. I, that, I don't want no part of that God. He's capricious. He's unpredictable. He, he's, he's very angry. angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about it. That's <laughs> very good observation. <laughs> How fun was that? That was so fun. Um, shoot, I was going to talk about something last night, too. So we had communion. Uh, to me... Last night, with the you know the, the heaven discussion, and this whole all these new things that are coming out of out of uh, the gospel for me, and even with Jack talking you know over on Sunday I think it was or last time of the Sunday before saying you know this this must you must be seeing a whole bunch of new stuff that you never saw before yeah. as as uh, somebody in Christ who's grown who's, who's grown deeper you know. Uh, you, you're just seeing things like that you've read a hundred times and now you're seeing them for the first time. Yeah. Um, so then last night learning about heaven, this whole new way you've been talking about it. But again, with that discussion last night, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I've never heard such discussion that communion was even more <clears throat> meaningful yes, and sweet. And just, I um, love, and I, it's so, I don't know if this is bad to say, but I love um, the disclaimer that he gives, like, don't take it if you're not a believer. Yeah. 
this is a privilege of the believers. Wow, he went deep into that last night. Too. Yes, or, I think he he's often does. He does. He it, often but does. Again, it's just like, oh, that makes so much more sense, right? And it just—I don't know—it just made it so sacred. Yeah, he he honors the sacredness of it. I don't know if I've ever heard a pastor say that before communion, out of fear of offending people. Mm -hmm. But he says it. I mean, I know he says almost every time, if you're not a believer, don't don't partake. Uh, but just the fact that he's like, and not only that, but if you're not right with God, you shouldn't take it either. It's a sin. You know? Yeah, it was, it was profound. And then the last thing is and that. What is, about the hugging part? Did you like the hugging part? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Was that your last part? Yeah, it was just like he had us. Um, uh, those of you, again, just one more time, we're speaking about uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, pastor Jack Hibbs is the, uh, the pastor for our church. <clears throat> but be prior to starting, he just says, you know, I want to do something that he, they, he used to do back when the church, the, when he was with, um, what's his name? Uh, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, uh, out in Costa Mesa, Calvary, uh, Costa Mesa. He said we would put our arms around each other and, you know, it, and people didn't know each other, like in the church. Yeah. Like, you put your arm and they're around all hippies. So. Yeah, they're all hippies and they all smell. They probably had BO, no deodorant. And they're like hugging each other, their sandals on and their shorts. But uh, he goes, you know what? I'm going to ask all of you to do that tonight. And uh, and we did. But he should learn not to do that when he has so much to say in a prayer. <laughs> because I got my arm around the, I got this lady. That's, I, part, I, of it. That's part of the challenge. Oh my uh, gosh. I felt so much pain. I go, well, if Jesus could put up with the pain to yes. die for our sins, I can sit there. But my arms were killing me. Well, and that was what he said resembled the crucifixion. Yes. Yeah. We were spread out like that. And it started to hurt. Yes. It started very, to hurt, Carrie. Very painful. And the lady next to me, you know, had her arm on me. She's from Oregon. You know, yes. we're, we're like, like this so, so much. It was actually pretty fun. Not fun in, the, 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 in a, no, in a weird was, way. It, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I really liked it. It really was. Especially in the era that we've uh, kind of gone through where you're not allowed to touch one another. They don't, don't shake hands and. Well, and now stuff. it makes sense why, as you know, that Stan does that at our house, it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in our home church, and especially in Mariama's church, that sense of brotherhood and camaraderie, he's really big on creating that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's because he's from the same era, you know, from Chuck Smith. Yeah. With his, with his brother. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it just brought, it seemed to bring the church a little bit closer. Yes. I mean, the church there. It's but... all 3,000 of us. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was pretty good too. It was an interesting night. It was one of those nights where it was super rainy. And, uh, I think I was even feeling a little bit under the weather and thinking, you know, maybe we, we won't go for a second. And of course we go, Nope, I'm, we're going. And oh, we went. It's awesome. And there was a reason that we needed to be there. Yeah. Look, Carrie says, I knew you were there pretending to put arms around you two from here. <laughs> oh, I awesome. love that. That's so sweet. Thank you. And Cindy says she used to listen to Chuck Smith when she lived in Costa Mesa back in the day and was a real hippie. Oh, my God. I, have you caught a sermon from Pastor Jack yet? That is such a great uh, coincidence, can we say? <laughs> Chuck yeah, Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was so much fun. I mean, it just uh, it just really seemed to just change the atmosphere. And people were laughing when he finally got everybody felt the same way. When he got done with the prayer and finally said amen, we go, oh, everyone, my arms, our arms are killing me. Um, and Carrie. Carrie was there too. Wow, but she was a yuppie, not a hippie. Okay. Yeah, there was a bunch of yuppies mixed with the hippies. Yeah. Sorry if you're one of the people I'm that didn't sorry know the rent. It. Yeah. It <laughs> so you got to be careful when you say things, Snugs. 
What? When you say things like that. That I missed it? No, that the hippies were smelly and not wearing I didn't deodorant. say that. And then there's two people on there that were Right? I, I didn't say that. <laughs> as you know. Sometimes you can't help yourself. We're, we're all a work in progress. I just want to give a, a, a shout out to all of you that prayed the other day. Um, I had asked yeah. for prayer for uh, me and my four, uh, 14-year-old daughter. And uh, some things that we were going through, I was going through as a father, trying to, to guide and trying to be there for a, you know, a young teen who's apparently distracted with boys and relationships. And boys. And boys. <laughs> and more boys. But uh, I, it's so interesting is because after the show, after the devotional, um, we ended and then we went and, and gathered in our, in our room and... Uh, she came in and immediately shared some very important changes that just occurred after yes. our show got over. And, um, and it was awesome. It was a real breakthrough. It was a real breakthrough. And uh, yeah, God is amazing. God is so amazing. God is <laughs> so prayer, good. Prayer. Asking for prayer. Don't be afraid to ask for prayer. I mean, it was, it was really something else. Yes. I kind of like the next day I go, hey. Did you realize? And then we she goes, she goes, Well, man, that's that's really a God moment. Yes. That was really awesome. Uh hey, that's all I can share. I feel like there's so much more to share. But um, yeah, she even talks about she goes, Yeah, I just really want to do things differently. I wanna, I wanna do this and I wanna do that. And it was all on the positive side of what I was hoping that she would uh Amen. That she would come to a realization that is necessary. And I mean, so. I think that's the importance. I I know my daughter's therapists have always told me. You know, uh, being present is half the battle. Cindy and uh, knows this too. Uh, I don't know, Carrie, if you struggled with children, but it is being present that you go. You're there in the up. You're there in the down. You're there in the up, and you're you're, you're almost like banks to a river, where you just help as they flow. You know, and you're just kind of making sure they don't just veer off into the rocks. You know, but they're still going to flow down this river, and they're going to you know, have difficult times and easy times and still water and, and uh, turbulent water, but yeah, um, it's being present. And I think the hardest part is for the children that we see around them sometimes that do not have pres present parents, that they're really, they may be there in body, but they're absent. Mm. Yeah. And, and Cindy saying, glad the teen conversation was blessed. Yes, it was awesome. I would like to pray for her. I mean, prayers for her friend. Um, yes. I want to say her name, but uh, I saw some scarring on her arm. Did you nope. see it? No. Nope. Uh, no. You know, the, the scars left over from, from self. Life. Yeah. Self-harm. Self-harm. such a big thing with these kids these days. Yeah. So so much of it. Um, be there. Oh, Carrie News. Sorry. Yes. Just be there <laughs> and be consistent. Amen. Yeah. I got to finish my macaroon cookies. We're going to put the chocolate ganache in the center. They really came out fabulous, I got to say. Cindy says. You, yes, you're there in the ups and the downs with love and grace. Yes. Less, less anger, more love. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we can get ourselves worked up in a frenzy. And as I was talking to Andy off camera, I said that I've learned with so many turbulent times in my daughter that, I put on the, I'm able to project love and grace uh, as much as I can when I'm with her in the heat of the moment. And I go back to my room and cry and scream to God. 
<laughs> you know, and begging him to fix it and begging him to help and, and basically just being a stable, rational, consistent, loving voice for them so that you're always a safe place for mm -hmm. them to come back to. For Not sure. easy. Nope. But thank you guys uh, for your prayers. It really, yes. it really meant a lot. Thank you so much. All right. Anything else, my love? I think that's it. We want to mention that we're part of the Edify Christian Podcast Network, edifi.app. Uh, we'd love it if you download the app and subscribe. We would be truly blessed by that. edifi.app. Edify. All right, my friends. We love you guys. God bless. God bless. Take care.